Hey, this is Stephen, and I want to welcome you or welcome you back to the Grove Church Podcast. For more information or to find more resources like this one, be sure to visit us at grove.org. Thanks for listening, and I hope the following message is encouraging and meaningful to your life. Hi, my friends. Welcome to The Grove. Unfortunately, I'm not welcoming you in person, but I'm welcoming you online. This is a special edition of this sermon based on a decision that we made this past week uh, to temporarily suspend all church services for the next 10 days or so while we're still trying to learn more about this virus that's spreading all around our world. And so if you're watching this, hopefully you are somewhere safe with loved ones, um, but I'm glad to be coming to you by video because I have an important message that I want to share with you. It's an important sermon for our times, for our lives, and what's going on in and around the news, both you know, worldwide and locally in our own communities. And likely a message that we will need to revisit again and again and again over the coming weeks and over the coming months, because likely it'll be the case that the events of this virus and the effects of this virus will be far spreading, not just from a health standpoint, but from the way that it impacts our society. It impacts all sectors of business and life. Schools are being closed, businesses are being closed. And so you're likely already feeling the effects Um, of all of the things that are happening surrounding this coronavirus. Now, I recognize that this puts us kind of in a unique position that we've never been in before. In my 15 years of ministry, I've never preached to an empty room because we weren't able to have public worship on Sunday morning. Likely, this is the first time that you've intentionally tuned in to watch a sermon because you weren't allowed to come to church on Sunday morning. And so I recognize we're all in a bit of uncharted waters in a unique place. And so Uh, What I want to say is I'm grateful for your patience. I'm grateful for your support and your understanding. Um, This is a decision that we made and what we believe is in the best interest and the health and the safety of you and all of those people in our lives. And so um, here's where we are. And so I want to begin to have a conversation with you, whatever time of day you're watching this, uh, about what's happening in our world and what our response should be. And to do so, I want to look at a particular passage of Jesus' teaching that's in, in line and consistent with this sermon series that we've been in for the last couple of weeks called Keys to the Kingdom. Now, it's an idea that we started two weeks ago unpacking this idea of what is God's kingdom. And we talked about how when scripture writers begin to explain and unpack this idea of God's kingdom, they were really talking about God's activity, God's rule, God's reign on earth. And it was understood that this activity uh, of God's kingdom is something that we as humans were created to participate in and created to usher in. And so we looked at what that meant for us and all of the ways that we could begin to think about and understand how we as people created in God's image could begin to participate and share in the responsibility of ushering God's reign, God's rule, God's activity here on earth right now. This wasn't something that we waited to go to, something that we visited after we died, but it was a very present reality that we can experience here now in this life. And then last week, we begin to unpack our first key to the kingdom and looking at this idea that Jesus begins to share in the Sermon on the Mount. And he starts his words to this group of kind of ragtag individuals with a list of of titles and descriptions of people who would be considered blessed. 
And that word blessed really just meant those who were able to share in and participate in the highest well-being possible via relationship with God. And as Jesus began to unpack this list, what we looked at last week was that this list was not what we think it is. It is not a list of conditions that we should strive to achieve. It wasn't a list of new rules, but really what Jesus was doing was helping people and helping us begin to understand that God's activity, God's reign, God's kingdom here on earth was something that's available to everybody. independent of action, independent of history or past behavior or current life circumstances, we said that there was no human condition that was beyond God's blessedness through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, in light of all of the happenings in our world, in light of all of the uncertainty and maybe the fear and anxiety that we feel, I want to begin to walk us through this next teaching of Jesus's that I think is relevant for today and will continue to be relevant for our lives. And so we're gonna stay in the Sermon on the Mount and we're gonna be in the sixth chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. And so Jesus has finished teaching about the Beatitudes and has gone on to talk about some other things that we'll cover in future weeks. But Jesus, looking at this group of people, says these words and he says these words to us today as well. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. And so I can imagine the eye rolls that are beginning to happen at home and wherever you're listening or watching this sermon because this feels too simple. This feels like one of those easy church platitudes that sounds nice but actually doesn't have any meaning or relevance in our lives because it's so easy to disregard. You look at this, you hear this, and as I think about this in my own life, I'm like, what do you mean don't worry about my life? There's all of this panic and all of this uncertainty in the world right now about this virus that we're not really sure how it spreads or who it spreads to or how long people um, have to be self-quarantined or have to stay away from people they love and care about. We don't know a lot right now. We're beginning to learn more, but we don't know a lot. And so of course we're worried about our life, both from a physical health standpoint, but also from a well-being standpoint. It's natural especially in these circumstances, to begin to worry about our life. What does this mean for my career? What does this mean for my retirement fund? What does this mean for my kid's school? What does this mean for my marriage? Because I have to stay home with my spouse now for longer than we've ever been together and alone together in an extended period of time. Like, what are we going to do when I'm still around my family who I look forward to not being around each and every day as they go to school and go to work, and now we're all in the same house together for an undefined period of time? There's so many implications of what's happening in our world right now. And so, of course, our natural instinct is to begin to wonder, to begin to think about, to begin to try to solve this uncertainty that's surrounding us. And so when you hear Jesus's words, when he says, therefore I tell you, do not worry, and particularly do not worry about our life, this seems like one of those statements for Jesus that's just like one of those nice, pleasant Jesus sayings. But as I hope to show you over the next several minutes, this is actually a deep, profound truth that I think will have the ability to reorient the way that we think about everything. And so Jesus begins by saying, don't worry about your life. And then he begins to explain for his current audience what that looks like for them. He says, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body or what you will wear. And so as his audience, his original audience heard this, 
they heard their pressing needs and concerns being addressed by Jesus. This was likely a highly poor and impoverished group, people who struggled to know where food was coming from for each meal or for an extended period of time. They probably struggled to provide clothing and housing for themselves. They were probably a highly transient people moving from place to place, searching for opportunity after opportunity. Work was probably not consistent. And so they probably lived in a level of uncertainty that we're feeling in our lives right now. Never sure, always wondering, and not able to make a consistent plan about what to do to provide for their daily needs. This is probably a lot of how many of the people in this world are living right now. Now for us, it's likely the case that these are not our primary concerns. They might be for this week or the next week, but likely they're not our primary concerns in general in our life. Most of us have fridges filled with food, pantries filled with food. Many of us went to the store to double up to make sure that we had an abundance of food because we weren't sure how long we're gonna need to have those supplies last us. We also typically don't worry about what, we, what we're gonna drink, not in terms of the quantity. Now we may have a preference as you know, I'd rather drink San Pellegrino than Topo Chico or whatever it is, but we don't worry that when we open the tap or turn on the faucet that water's gonna come out. Like we have access to these things. These are not our needs. And you know, we don't typically worry about what we're gonna wear. Well, in terms of whether or not we're gonna have close to wear, some of us worry a lot about what we're gonna wear, um, but we'll get to that in a minute. But really the point of this is Jesus was addressing his current listeners, his current audience's greatest needs. So for our purposes today, we can take Jesus's words and just play a game of substitution. And so if we look at this statement from Jesus, I just wanna, give some space for you in this moment to fill in these blanks. Maybe it's not food or clothing or drink, or maybe it's not about your body, but what are you most worried about right now? Therefore, I tell you, Jesus says to us, do not worry about your life. Do not worry about what you will have to endure over the next two weeks or what you will do about your college tuition payments or about your marriage or the relationship that you're in or what you will do over the next several weeks while your kids are home and you don't know how you're gonna provide. These are all legitimate pressing concerns. And so we can fill these blanks in ourselves. Maybe I got some of yours correct. Maybe I was totally way off and you have a whole different set of concerns. Maybe yours regard the stock market and what's gonna happen over the next several weeks in, in, the, in the national and global economy. Maybe for you, it's how do I lead this group of people that I oversee in my business? What do we do about working? How do we telecommute in or remote conference? What do we do? How do I lead them well through these uncertain times? Maybe it's how do I navigate this with my kids? My kids are scared because their life has been upended and disrupted. And I worry about how to talk to them about this. Jesus speaks to his first audience in the same way that he speaks to us with sympathy and understanding and compassion recognizing that there are things that we need in this life. But here's the important part. And here's what I want us to focus on first. Jesus says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink or what you will wear. That word will is future tense. Jesus is acknowledging that worry always comes in response to uncertainty about our future needs. Jesus recognizes that when we worry, it is triggered by an uncertainty that produces fear and anxiety within us. He says, listen, nobody worries 
really about the present moment. It's always future oriented because there's some level of uncertainty about whether or not we're going to be able to secure for ourselves the things that we value, treasure, and want and need most. And so this is where we are right now in our lives. Based on what's happening in our world around us, there is a lot of uncertainty in our lives about the future. And Jesus is saying, listen, worry is always in response to uncertainty about the future. But I'm telling you, do not worry. And here's why. And Jesus begins to tell us this. But we, got, we have to understand that the reason that we worry, whether we are aware of it or not, is because worry is a response that we choose to uncertainty in the future, whether it's the immediate future or it's the long distance future, but it's always a response to uncertainty in the future. Jesus says this, he says, who among you by worrying can add a single moment to your life? Now, this is a rhetorical question. Jesus understands that the answer to this is no one. And he, he says it for effect. And what Jesus is trying to get us to understand, first and foremost, as we begin to unpack this command to not worry, this teaching about worry, is that worry doesn't work. Worry is not an effective tool to help us solve the uncertainty in the future. Now, does this mean that we can't come up with a plan? No, that's productive. But sitting there worrying, spending mental, emotional, physical, spiritual energy on on the uncertainty that's coming our way. Jesus says it's not an effective strategy because worry doesn't actually solve anything. Now, are there things that we should identify that are within our control? Yes, of course we should. Should we be good stewards of our resources? Should we plan well and think wisely about the future? Absolutely. Does it mean that we shouldn't try in life and we should just hope that there's a handout from God or from someone else? No. No, 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 no. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying just give up. But he's saying that in response to the uncertainty that you feel about the future, when you're inclined to begin to feel anxious and fearful because you don't know what's going to happen next or you don't know how you're going to be able to insert some control on an upcoming or foreseeable future situation, Jesus is saying worry is not the response to that. Worry is not what you should do because it doesn't work in helping you solve anything. Who by worrying can add a single moment to their life? And Jesus says, it's, it's no one, no one can. And so that's the first reason why we need to begin to think through how we can let go of worry in our own life. The second reason comes shortly as Jesus continues on with this teaching. He says, look at the birds in the sky. And at that moment, everybody kind of looks up. Look at the birds in the sky. Birds in that time period were insignificant. And so this is an intentional relationship that Jesus is about to create for us. He says, look at the birds in the sky. They don't sow seed or harvest grain or gather crops into barns. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. And here's what he's trying to get us to understand. Aren't you worth much more than they are? And everybody listening to Jesus's teaching at that moment would begin to nod their head and say, yes, Jesus, of course we understand that we are worth more to God than the birds of the air. And so Jesus is saying, listen, birds have no ability to plan for the future. Birds have no ability to store up for themselves. They live moment to moment. And God is capable and chooses to provide for their immediate needs. 
Maybe not all of their wants, maybe not the whole extension of their preference choice, but God takes care of the birds of the air and he loves you so much more than that. And so of course, if he takes care of the birds, he's gonna take care of us. Jesus uses this kind of ancient device to help people understand how if it's true for this small thing, it's true for this big thing. And so he's saying, listen, if it's true for the birds, which are small in the grand scheme of nature, then it's true for humanity as well. God sees you and he knows you. He knows what you're worried about. He knows your fears. He knows the uncertainty that you feel in your life. And he's gonna take care of you too. Jesus goes on with this teaching. And he says, then why do you worry about clothes? Notice how the lilies in the field grow. They don't wear themselves out with work and they don't spin cloth. But I say to you that even Solomon, who was the richest man who ever lived, imagine like the Golden Globes or the Oscars, the red carpet walk, everybody in their beautiful garments. This is kind of the metaphor Jesus is trying to point them towards. Even Solomon in all of his splendor, he wasn't dressed like, these lilies of the field. And so Jesus says, if God dresses the grass in the field so beautifully, even though it's alive today and tomorrow it's thrown into the furnace, hint, it's insignificant. It has a short lifespan. It's just used for fuel. Again, it's this metaphor. If it's true for a small thing, then it's gonna be true for a big thing. Jesus is saying, if it's true about the grass, if God is capable of meeting the needs and making the lilies and the grass and the vegetation of this world look beautiful, how much more was he gonna be able to take care of you to make you and your life feel the experience of abundance that comes from a relationship with God? Jesus is saying, listen, you can trust that God's got you. But then he calls them a name, which is kind of Jesus's attempt to kind of gently poke or chide or prod them into recognizing the ways that they're not getting all of this right. He says, if it's true for the birds and if it's true for the grass and the flowers, how much more is it true about how much God loves you and God will do for you, for you? And then he calls them a name, little faiths, or you little faithers, you. It's kind of the translation. Jesus is saying, listen, like, you, you are small faiths. You haven't developed into the fullness of faith that you need to develop as indicated by your uncertainty about the future and your worry. Jesus is making a direct connection between our proclivity to worry and our lacking of faith. See, for Jesus, this is a trust issue. And so that's the second thing that we have to understand when it comes to worry, when it comes to uncertainty in our future is our worry isn't productive. And because we're inclined to be fearful about the future, we have to begin to trust God. And we have to learn that we can trust God, that God is trustworthy. God is trustworthy with the small things. God is trustworthy with the big things. Paul, in some of his writings to the churches, he says, cast all of your anxieties upon God. Approach God in prayer. And God's gonna meet in all of your needs. Now, it may not come in the way that we want. It may not come in the timeline that we want. But we have reassurance both from Jesus and from Paul in his scripture writing in, in the New Testament that like, God's got you. Like, you don't have to be afraid and you don't have to worry. 
you have to understand that we are not alone and we are not on our own, that God is at work in our lives. And so as we, get, we begin to look around the world around us, as we begin to look in our own communities, as we begin to try to think through and anticipate what's going to happen in the future, there is cause for uncertainty. It is normal to not know what's going to happen in the next week, in the next month, in the next six months. We don't know. But what we can do is we can put our trust in God. And it doesn't mean to naively just believe and close our eyes and wish magic falls from the sky. That's not what it's talking about. There's an acknowledgement that we have to wrestle with this stuff. But, God, but Jesus is saying that we can go to God in prayer, that we can trust him, that we can articulate what we need to him. We can articulate the things that we're concerned about. We can articulate the things that we're afraid about. We can articulate all of the things that we anticipate and see that are, seem to be uncertain in our immediate and long-term future. Jesus is saying, you can go to God with all of that stuff, but what you have to understand is that you can trust him. And so you don't have to resort to worry because number one, it doesn't work. And two, you do have a God in your life. You do have a God that formed you and made you and sees you and knows you. And a God that's there for you. And then as we move to kind of the last point that I think Jesus is making in this teaching, he begins to set it up this way. He says, therefore, do not worry, saying what we will eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For it is the, it is the Gentiles who strive for all of these things. And indeed your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. Now we read this word Gentiles and maybe you have some familiarity with it, but really, what that word meant in that time period and context was people who don't know God. And so Jesus is saying, listen, people who don't know God, they're the ones who worry. Because when you really know God, when you really trust God, you recognize that we don't have to worry about anything. Now, it doesn't mean that we ignore what is happening in our world, that we shut off the news and we plug up our ears and close our eyes, no. But it's saying, listen, if you, really, if you really know God, then you won't spend your time and your effort and your energy worrying about this stuff. You know, I think it's interesting because this word worry in its original kind of Anglo-Saxon context literally meant to choke or to slowly suffocate. Now, as you think about the times that you've been really worried, or maybe you often feel this way, the anxiety that comes on in stressful moments when the future is uncertain, in a way it does feel like that we're choking, that the life is being suffocated out of us. And I think this is an intentional use of the word by Jesus because he recognizes that there is not fullness of life when we spend our life worrying. There's not fullness in our day-to-day -day joy, in our peace, in our sense of assuredness that God is with us. When we spend our effort and energy worrying, it cuts us off from the abundance of life, from the activity of God that Jesus intends for us to have right now. There's something more for us. There's something better for us, even in the midst of uncertainty. And Jesus begins to tell us what it is. He says, instead, pursue first and foremost God's kingdom and God's righteousness. In the midst of uncertain times, in the midst of 
tumultuous circumstances, in the midst of uncertainty about what's going to happen today, tomorrow, in the weeks and months after, Jesus says, pursue first. Instead of worry, pursue first. Now, the reason that he talks about pursuing first is he recognizes that there is another thing that we could pursue instead. And to begin to understand this idea, we actually have to go backwards to the very beginning of, these, of Jesus's teaching about worry. It's a word that I skipped over intentionally because I think it makes more sense to explore it and unpack it here towards the end of Jesus's teaching. And so worry doesn't work. We can trust God. And instead, Jesus instructs us to pursue first and foremost, God's kingdom and God's righteousness. And here's why. At the beginning of this teaching, Jesus starts off by saying, therefore, I tell you, do not worry. And anytime you see the word therefore, you have to look and ask the question, what is therefore there for? And this teaching is a part of a larger teaching that Jesus does. And so we have to look at what came right before this because it informs and it impacts and uh, contributes to the context of Jesus's teaching about worry. And so what is the verse right before this? What happens, what does Jesus say right before this? It's related to why we should pursue first God's kingdom and God's righteousness. And this is what Jesus says right before his teaching on worry. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus is helping us understand that the things that we pursue, whether it's physically, whether it's emotionally, whether it's mentally, the things that we pursue, the things that we treasure, the things that we place as greatest value in our life determine our heart. They determine the orientation of our life. And so wherever our treasure is, there our heart's gonna be. Now, how does this connect to this teaching on worry? Well, worry is about uncertainty and a lack of security around the things that we treasure and value most. Let me say it again. Worry is about the uncertainty and the lack of security around the things that we treasure most. So here's why Jesus is teaching us not to worry. Here's his third point. The first is that worry doesn't work. The second is because we can trust God with our daily lives. We don't have to worry about that stuff. God has us, God's got us. But the third reason is because when we worry about these things, it orients our heart. It orients our life. It determines where we spend our energies. And Jesus is saying, there's something better for you to orient your lives around than your daily needs. There's something better for you to invest your energies in than just what might happen or what might not happen and worrying about whether or not you can secure and guarantee certainty for the things that you treasure. Jesus is inviting us to treasure something totally different. He's inviting us to treasure and pursue something other than our kingdom, other than our needs. And this is hard because our natural instincts are to provide and protect and secure our future. That's why many of us went to the grocery store as this news broke to make sure that we had enough supplies, that we had enough food, that we had enough toiletries, whatever the things that we were fearful of running out of that contributed to trying to secure and protect our lives in uncertain times. Think about all the energy that we have spent. Think about all of the energy that is being spent in the news and the media and all of the outlets trying to control or trying to predict some level of certainty 
And all it does is manifest into worry. All it does is manifest into pursuing these things that we treasure in our immediate kingdom. And Jesus is saying there's something far greater, far more valuable, far more important for your life than to spend your energies trying to control and trying to worry about whether or not you're gonna have all of the things that you want. And so what does he say? Instead, pursue first and foremost, God's kingdom. God's kingdom, the activity of God here on this earth, the way that we can participate in God doing his mission throughout the world, the way that we can fulfill our original creation, our original purpose, our original intent, and be ambassadors, be servants to God's mission here on earth. Jesus is saying, listen, there's something far more important for your life that aligns with everything that we've talked about the last two weeks. God's kingdom is here and available now. And we are called to participate in it. There are no barriers to who can participate in it. And instead of spending our time worrying about the uncertain future, what if we, what if we spend our efforts and energy and time pursuing God's kingdom? What if, it, what if we focused our life on the kingdom of God? Now, what does this look like, you say? Well, in the next week, what if you begin to make a list of people that you can't visit, but you recognize who might be at risk or vulnerable to this virus? And what if, you, what if you've made a phone call? What if you sent a letter? What if you had flowers delivered to the people who are at risk, who might be isolated and lonely and you know, not able to be around other people? What if you begin to think about the people that you could serve, the people that you could help, instead of trying to make sure that you had more food than anybody else so that you didn't run out, what if you begin to think about ways that you could share what you had with those who may not have as much? What if you begin to think about ways that you could support health services for those agencies who are working to try to alleviate the needs in our world right now? It is so easy when times are uncertain, when there's fear in the future for us to focus on ourselves. It is so easy. I'm inclined to do this all of the time. I went to the grocery store like everybody else and I had to have this conversation with myself that I only needed to buy what I actually needed, not out of fear. Now I can make plans and provisions so that I have enough food, but there, there's no need for panic buying. There's no need for panic emptying of the shelves and filling of the carts. Jesus is saying that's a waste of your life and a waste of your effort. God's got you. Now spend your life serving God and serving others. And so over the next couple of days, we're gonna create more opportunities for you to do that. We know that sometimes it's difficult to think of these things on your own, but at the Grove, we're gonna create opportunities for you to serve others, for you to pursue first God's kingdom. Because here's, here's, what, here's what Jesus says. When you do that, when you pursue first and foremost God's kingdom and God's righteousness, the way that we live according to God's plan, according to God's wishes, when you do that, all of the other things that you're worried about, all of the other things that you actually need, they'll be given to you as well. You'll never go without. You may go without the things that you want, but there's a greater life for us, a greater life than having everything that we could possibly hope for and want. It's a life that participates in the kingdom of God and it's anchored 
and letting go of worry, recognizing that it doesn't work, beginning to trust God more and stepping up to the call to serve and to focus and to pursue first the kingdom of God. My friends, wherever you are, I hope that you're safe. I hope that you're well. And I hope that you know that you do not have to worry. God is with you and he's inviting you into a relationship and into participation in all that he is doing here and now. Let me pray for us. Gracious and loving God, we are in uncertain times, but we know that in the midst of these uncertain times, there is a certainty and that is you. God, you have seen situations like this come and go throughout the millennia and still you remain. So God, surround us with your peace. Remind us of your love and your care and concern for us and give us the strength and the confidence and the ability to trust you more. God, there is a lot that we don't know and a lot that we can't control. But God, help us to know that we don't have to worry about it. That we don't have to spend our wheels and our efforts and our energies pursuing something that doesn't work. That we can trust you and that we can pursue your kingdom first. We love you and we're grateful for the ways that you love us and you care for us. Help us to love and care for each other as well. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Bye, my friends. Hey, thanks again for listening. If you live in the Dallas area, we would love for you to visit us. For directions, service times, and more info, visit us at grove.org.